Welcome to the Succession Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Hine. Over the course of my career, I've had the opportunity to speak with literally hundreds of financial advisors about the future and potential endgame for their practices. I have found that the majority do not realize the scope and time involved in successfully selling their practices to another advisor. Often, advisors regret not beginning the process sooner. Valuation, discussion, negotiation, and transaction can take nine months or more. To that end, I created a guide called the Succession Fit Scorecard to help kickstart advisors into the succession planning process. In today's episode, I'm going to highlight the key aspects that will help you get an idea of whether or not you and your practice are succession fit. So the categories are, these are the ones that are very important, uh, relationship focused, retirement ready, adaptable, team player, growth or future thinking, goal-oriented, confident, and wealth management-oriented. So I'm going to go through these categories, explain what they mean, but more importantly for you, the listener, um, how ready are you to begin that long-term plan of succession and continuity planning? So let's start with relationship-focused. Think of these categories almost like small, medium, large, extra large. We start off with the smallest possible progress that you might be at, And then as I continue in the category, I'll be explaining other options. And in the end, you can do the scorecard yourself to rank how you feel your firm is ready for the succession fit process. So in the relationship category, we'll start off saying that if you have these smaller end of it or the lower score, you have mostly transactional accounts, you rarely meet with clients, and you conduct your business over the phone. That was a more traditional transactional broker, and that would be given a score of, let's say, one to three. The top score would be a 12 in that category, just to give an example. Moving forward, if you feel like your practice has progressed a bit, you can put yourself in that next category, and you might say that you talk to your clients, but you're not necessarily proactive. Most meetings are out of the office. You have decent relationships with your clients, and they like the approach that you've offered. So that would put you a little bit further up the spectrum on relationship focused. The next category, which is probably for many the most popular, is that score of seven to nine, which is your practice is client focused, more than half the meetings are in your office, and you like your clients and you make your effort to get to know them. Now I recognize with COVID, meetings have changed, but if you look at what your statistics were like before COVID, Did you have more than half your meetings in your office? That would be a good indicator. And then the last part, the score of 10 to 12, that's the highest score in that category. Your clients are like family, right? You strive to get to know them and their families' needs and concerns. You engage in multi-generational planning, and that's where our firm is now. So my team and I have taken over a decade to perfect these things. And believe me, we all know how difficult it is, especially during the COVID times, to be in contact with clients proactively. But the most important thing for you to assess for your practice is where would you fit on this spectrum? And this scorecard is available at our website that you can link to when you're done listening. The next category down is called retirement ready. And again, think of this as a continuum from small, medium, large, and extra large, meaning you've perfected that process. So retirement ready. Right now, you're not ready to retire. You're not even thinking about it. You plan on working for 10 or more years and having a productive career. That would be a common scenario if the advisor were in his or her 40s and maybe even 50s. They're not thinking yet. 
The next category up says you're starting to think about a three to five year window. Maybe there's a health reason. Maybe there's a family reason you want to move to be closer to other family members. But for whatever the reason, you thought about working out a basic succession and continuity plan. And I'll explain those in detail in a moment, but that's important. The next category in retirement ready is that you are prepared for your own retirement and succession plan. It's in writing or at least formalized, and you are likely to retire in 18 to 36 months. That would be in that seven to nine category, okay? We don't see a lot of people in that category, but in fact, that may be who you are, right? And lastly, under retirement ready, you could retire today without hesitation. You have a written plan with a continuity partner in place, and you could flip the switch tomorrow. And if you do, congratulations, that's a great step. So I want to backtrack for a moment and cover a very important concept that I, all the time on the phone or in Zoom meetings with advisors, that they often get confused. And frankly, early on in my career with this, I got confused by the same term. So when I say succession planning or continuity planning, they're not the same thing. So let me give you an example. A continuity plan says, I call it break glass in case of emergency. If you were to die tomorrow, what's written on paper, what happens to your practice, it's not something you planned, but you want to continue your practice. You want to continue your operation. You want to continue your business. So those are typically what we call a one or two page plan. They're not designed to be all encompassing, but it is an urgent situation that has to be met because otherwise all your clients and your staff and all, they wouldn't know what to do if you passed on unexpectedly. But a succession plan, which is the more ideal, is this longer term, well thought out, written plan. I review mine with my succession partner annually. We look at valuations. We look at what's changed in our practices. So that is a much more important, well thought out and detailed plan. And often you make adjustments periodically. So for the rest of this podcast, if I say continuity plan, think of it as emergency. Something happened and we got to scramble. Succession plan is you really thought this thing out and you have it written down, verified by attorneys, notarized, et cetera. Okay. Under adaptable, the third category, again, going from small to extra large, if you will. At this point in your career, you like the status quo. You don't want to make any major changes. That probably is true of a lot of advisors. But even with COVID, we all had to adapt, right? We had to learn the Zoom meetings. We had to learn all sorts of other aspects of online communication. The next level up in Adaptable is you wish you had adapted more ideas along the way to grow your business, but you feel like that it's too late now. So maybe you're at that point in your career that you want to merge with someone. You want to sell to them and you want to have somebody bring you along in that way of adaptability. And that's a very perfectly normally good reason to find a bigger firm or a firm that has more technology to merge with them. The next category up is you have made some changes over the years, but they're mostly reactionary. You reacted to things like the bear market after it happened. You reacted to 9-11 after it happened. You reacted to the great financial crisis after it happened. And that's not unusual. It's just not as proactive as we think you should be. So the last category, that score of 10 to 12 again, talks about you and your team recognize need for continual improvement. You understand the Kaizen concept or sharpening the saw. So many of you that have read other business books know this idea of continually improving your process is very important. All the successful firms do it. And more importantly, no matter what size your firm is, from one person to five or 10 people, 
you want to have that attitude. And that would be under adaptable, the best category score you could have. The next one is team player, okay, covering these four categories. You are a solo and you like it that way. No hassles, no bureaucracy. That's pretty common in a lot of the financial planning practitioners. And that works up to a certain level. You can meet with your clients, you can take care of things, but you can only grow so much. There's a point where you hit a ceiling because there's only so many hours in a day to juggle administrative, client service reviews, responding to urgent phone calls, et cetera. The next category up on the four to six score would be you are mainly a solo act, but acknowledge the benefit of a team approach. So maybe you thought about, do I want to hire someone to add to my team or do I want to grow by joining another team? So that at least opens your mind to the possibilities. The third level in the score of seven to nine is you have a team right now, you enjoy some of the benefits, but there's no cohesive approach. So maybe people on the team are kind of running off in their own directions. Maybe you haven't organized them quite the way you want. And again, that's where firms like Capital Wealth Management and others can help you fine tune that because someday that team will be your biggest asset when you go to sell. And remember, right now that team is your continuity plan should something happen to you, and they could become your succession plan down the road if you negotiate that with a new firm. The last category under team player is you and your team have a shared vision, you execute on that shared vision, and you continue to grow. And I would argue the very best firms in the industry do that so that Year after year, they're either adding new people or shuffling positions to make sure that the client service part is well taken care of, as well as the review process, as well as the next step for the clients when there's a tax law change, like we're likely to see coming up this fall, or if there's an estate planning change. All these things affect the ability for the advisor and his team to communicate it to their clients. The next category under growth or future thinking. The smallest progress there is you stopped marketing years ago for new clients. Growth has been flat, maybe even a bit negative. And I have seen this in practices. And my warning to all of you is, first of all, that's not good for your own psyche and confidence. Nobody wants to come into a business every day where it's slowly shrinking. So from a mental standpoint, it's so critical to keep growing. But even if you're flatlining your growth, the point is your clients need to see that you're growing. Right, They want to have the confidence in you because, trust me, every advisor thinks they have all of their clients' money invested with them. And no matter what level I've seen for advisors, they all admit that clients often will have two or three firms. Part of it may be they don't have the confidence to put it all with one firm. Okay, So that's something to think about. Under the next category, you have brought on some clients in a haphazard manner, but growth is still very modest. The third category there in the seven to nine score is you have continued to bring in new clients and gain more than the attrition has taken away every year. Growth is less than 10% a year. That's a pretty common place for a lot of firms. So it's good that you're growing, but the bottom line is you're not quite at that last category, which is we want everyone to be, is organic growth is more than 10% per year. You continue to bring in new clients and come up with creative strategies to market. That would be extremely important. And that growth can be through referrals, seminars, I would even argue acquisitions help because when you acquire a firm, you often get referrals from that client base. So the last three categories are going to be goal-oriented, your confidence level, and then the wealth management focus. And we'll wrap up on those. So goal-oriented, 
In the early category, the lower score, you don't really care to set up goals or milestones. They don't interest you. So that's one type of advisor. The next level up is you have some informal goals every year, but you don't keep track if you meet them or not. So there's no accountability. The third level, and I believe, again, the more common one, is you are goal-oriented and you set realistic goals in writing every year. You just don't follow through on it. So I think that's a probable, the majority of advisors out there. And then the very best ones are focused on growth milestones and their goals. They're an integral part of your practice. So for my team, we have a January kickoff meeting. We often review at mid-year what we're doing to make adjustments, and we'll have a year-end wrap-up. Some categories, we exceeded where we wanted to be. Others, we fell short. And we sit down and go, okay, what do we do to improve? So you want to have that mindset every year when you go into it is what's going to be new. So for example, before COVID hit, we'd already been doing Zoom meetings with our clients. So we were fortunate that in a way the world caught up to us in terms of Zoom capability and some other features as well. So if you're always pushing the envelope trying to get better, when the next natural disaster happens and who knows what it'll be, you'll be that much more prepared to take that next step. Under the confidence category, the smallest level is you're not confident that a majority of clients would follow you to a new firm, right? That is a concern. I had this one advisor years ago out of state who came to a closing in this very room. He was about to sign the document and he was so nervous because he said, when I look at all the things that your firm offers and I didn't do this for my clients, I would feel embarrassed. And he actually never went through with the closing, even though he was giving up tens of thousands of dollars in revenue because we were going to pay him for the transition of those clients. He actually couldn't go through with it, but it was more out of shame than out of fear. So that was just a one real live example. The second category, you're mildly confident that many clients would follow you to a better future. Again, not the ideal score that you want to have. The third one is that the majority of clients would make the change, but you would have to work to sell them on the idea. Again, when you're doing a transition, this would be a succession plan, you know, well thought out. We would rehearse that with you well in advance to tell you or to suggest to you what your clients want to hear. And believe me, I've seen advisors all over the landscape here make mistakes. Some of them talk too much and they get their clients nervous. Some don't say enough. You know, there's that sort of Goldilocks. You want that right combination of giving them enough information, but not scaring them. Okay. And lastly, it says your clients are raving fans. They send you referrals and they would gladly follow you to a better future. And I'm proud of my team. Years ago, when we transferred broker-dealers about 10 years ago, one of our favorite jokes is many of our clients, as soon as they got that paperwork to transfer, my joke was that the exhaust fumes from the FedEx truck hadn't left the driveway before the client was here with the paperwork, right? He literally drove over that day and said, here are the transfer forms. I can't wait to join you in a new venture. So we often reflect on the fact that if you have a great service model and your clients know and hear from you regularly, when there is a change, it won't be like, whoa, what happened to Tom and his firm? They're going to say, well, this is part of the process of growing and adapting to a bigger future, okay? So the last category under wealth management oriented is that you are primarily transaction oriented and not too involved in your clients' lives. Again, there are practices like that. They tend to get a lower valuation, a lower multiple. They don't sell for as much, but they often have some great clients. So that's what's one way to run your practice. If you're the next level up, you are moderately involved with your clients and their families 
through transactions. So likely to have more of them follow you and maybe a slightly higher valuation. The third category, which is one of the sweet spots, is you have a financial planning focus and know the benefit of such a concept, but you lack the follow through. And again, they can only share with the audience, I've learned from some of the brightest minds in financial planning in this industry. So I'm the first to tell you, I go to two coaching programs. I absorb as much as I can. I know there's too much out there for one person to know it, but I want to share that with you. So sometimes you would rather be the librarian, right, than the library. I need to know how to get the information. I don't have to be the library to get it all to you. The last category of wealth management, which is ideal, is you have a well-oiled machine that continually focuses on new wealth management concepts while fine-tuning the old ones. So for example, what we would share with you is when you integrate financial planning, which is running all the analysis, right, projections, what will it look like when I'm retired? What will my IRAs be worth? How much money can I draw off and live on? What about my beneficiaries? All that planning should be integrated with what we call the asset management part, right, which is how you grow the client's money. And if you integrate them together, what we found is it gives the client a better picture of not just, oh, great, my advisor is making me money. That's a good thing. But what does that mean to me and my family in the long run? How much can we live on? Can I give some to the kids? Can I give some to the grandkids? So in that last category, we want to make really sure that if you don't have this well-oiled machine, that you can seek out the help, whether it's our firm or someone else's, on getting you structured to do that. Because in the end, if your client outgrows you, and this has happened to everyone, including me early on in the career, if your client feels like their asset size or their sophistication has outgrown you, they will move to another firm. And I have seen many advisors get emotionally hurt when their longtime clients, the best friends they had them to dinner, will say, we just inherited a lot of money and we really feel comfortable going to XYZ firm, even though the advisor could have taken care of all of it, but it was the perception of the client that they need a bigger firm. And a lot of times we know perception can count a lot more than reality. So with that, the big takeaway that I would like to advisors to get from the succession fit scorecard, right, the one that you can get and do online, is the feeling of taking that first step towards protecting your life's work. It can show you how to be prepared, or if you're unprepared, for your company for the sale or merger. So a lot of people might want to merge their company, but you still have to go through this process because think about this. You want to tell the person you're merging with, hey, here's the value I'm bringing to you so that someday if I sell to you, I need to know what the value was when I started and then compare it down the road. So as far as where you should go from here, the matter is both mind and heart, right? Statistical analysis and crunching numbers is very, very important. Don't get me wrong. That's a big part. But ultimately, your intuition and your thoughts, you have to have careful consideration about the options and consequences that you have of your decisions. And that's critical for you to grow your firm, but to take care of your family, your clients, your spouse, and your children. So it's not just about you oftentimes. It's about multiple people. So if you would like to check out the scorecard for yourself, you can find that on my website, www.capitalwm.com, C-A-P-I-T-A-L-W-M.com. And then until next time, we'd like to talk to you about further ideas in the Succession Fit podcast. Thank you very much. 